What a totally and completely sad day for this country. Friends, I have many thoughts, all of which I'll share with you in due course. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism. Delivered daily, 1 to 3 p.m. here on this station. Look, I am, for quite some time now, I have advocated for a measured approach on the part of Republicans uh, as this near daily onslaught against us, against the people we have voted for, that we support, against those that advocate for our way of life, standing up for American values. As we face this headwind, from every Democrat in the country that has usurped their authority and gotten themselves into elected office, into various agencies uh, and other groups, and have used every bit of their power not for the good of the country, but to settle political scores, I look at this and I go, listen, we Republicans, I've said this over and over again, we got to be careful that when we get into power we not – Give in to the temptation for payback. Well, I feel a little differently today. And perhaps it's, and hopefully it's just a transitory feeling that I have that is a reaction to what I witnessed here watching the events unfold in lower Manhattan as former President Donald Trump was arraigned on these absolute BS charges. I'll explain now that we've seen the indictment uh, revealed, I've got it downloaded here. I've been reviewing it. It just came available uh, moments ago. But I want to get into something about retribution. Because make no mistake, this, this what is occurring today, will have consequences for every elected Democrat that has played fast with the rules, has benefited from political power, has enjoyed cozy connections with law enforcement, DOJ, with intelligence agencies, CIA, law enforcement, FBI, right? All of this is going to end. It will turn around. I promise you, if you're a Democrat, you're gleeful today. <laughs> yes, we're getting Trump finally. Perp walked just what we wanted. It's the best day. Friends, you have no idea what Pandora's box you've opened up. Your people, your political party is, and I cannot say the word on air, but boy, do I want to. They are effed. Because we will remember this. One of my favorite movies in the retribution genre is Man on Fire. Some of you may remember this gem from 2004 about kind of a washed up ex-military bodyguard that goes to protect a young girl. uh, Played by Dakota Fanning, the bodyguard of course, Denzel Washington. And early in the movie, the girl gets kidnapped and is presumed dead. 
And Denzel Washington then goes on. Well, I don't want to give too much away in the movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great flick. But if it goes in and basically, in, in, in a holy revenge, takes out every single person that has played, that played a role in harming this young, young lady of his. And they develop a little bit of a relationship, and he, you know, he's, it's, a, it's, it's a fabulous movie. It takes place in Mexico City, one of my favorite places. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because the entire plot of the movie is bad people getting what they deserve. Bad people paying the price for their actions. Now, I know that some of these Democrats listening, because I hear from them from time to time, angry ranting emails that belie how unhinged and mentally unstable and frankly dumb they are. Uh, I, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I get fan mail from many of you that are listening and then some from some people who are, then we just don't have all, all their faculties about them. And I know what's, this is going to be mischaracterized as a call to violence. I'm not saying or advocating that the Republicans bring in Denzel Washington as Crazy Bear in Man on Fire to go and put explosives up the rectal cavities of the people that are doing this to Trump. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm getting at here is that the wheels of justice that have been misused and tampered with, abused by the Democrats in power will be weaponized against them in return. One of my favorite expressions, hoist by your own petard. This petard that the Dems are bringing is, is, so, this is so vile. And so, I mean, it is so short-sighted of them that I, I have no doubt that this will, this will all blow up in their faces. And, and, and eventually, right, the, the, <laughs> the people that have participated in this uh, need to be brought to account, and all the way up until uh, up until and through the Obama. I mean, you got Obama, you've got Biden, Hillary Clinton. I don't want to spare a single one of these people. When we come to power, these people need to be prosecuted by the letter of the law. Every single one of their of their eligible violations under the statute of limitations ought to be filed, ought to be prosecuted. These people ought to be. Put into prison. Now we're going to take a brief moment here. We've got Alvin Bragg, the DA uh, in Manhattan here, coming and taking the stage. We're going to cut to him as soon as he begins speaking. Uh, falsifying business records in the first degree. Under New York State law, it is a felony to falsify business records with intent to defraud and an intent to conceal another crime. That is exactly what this case is about. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York State. No matter who you are, we cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. 
He also caused others to make false statements. The defendant claimed that he was paying Michael Cohen for legal services performed in 2017. This simply was not true. And it was a false statement that the defendant made month after month in 2017. April, May, June, and so on through the rest of the year. For nine straight months, the defendant held documents in his hand containing this key lie, that he was paying Michael Cohen for legal services performed in 2017. And he personally signed checks for payments to Michael Cohen for each of these nine months. In total, the grand jury found there were 34 documents with this critical false statement. Why did Donald Trump repeatedly make these false statements? The evidence will show that he did so to cover up crimes relating to the 2016 election. Donald Trump, executives at the publishing company American Media Incorporated, Mr. Cohen and others agreed in 2015 to a catch and kill scheme. That is a scheme to buy and suppress negative information to help Mr. Trump's chance of winning the election. As part of this scheme, Donald Trump and others made three payments to people who claimed to have negative information about Mr. Trump. To make these payments, they set up shell companies and they made yet more false statements, including, for example, in AMI, American Media Incorporated's business records. One of the three people that they paid to keep quiet was a woman named Stormy Daniels. Less than two weeks before the presidential election, Michael Cohen wired $130,000 to Stormy Daniels' lawyer. That payment was to hide damaging information from the voting public. The participant scheme was illegal. The scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. The $130,000 wire payment exceeded the federal campaign contribution cap. And the false statements in AMI's books violated New York law. That is why Mr. Trump made false statements about his payments to Mr. Cohen. He could not simply say that the payments were a reimbursement for Mr. Cohen's payments to, Sandy, to Stormy Daniels. To do so, to make that true statement, would have been to admit a crime. So instead, Mr. Trump said that he was paying Mr. Cohen for fictitious legal services in 2017 to cover up actual crime committed the prior year. And in order to get Michael Cohen his money back, they planned one last false statement. In order to complete the scheme, they planned to mischaracterize the repayments to Mr. Cohen as income to the New York State tax authorities. The conduct I just described, uh, and that which was charged by the grand jury, is felony criminal conduct in New York State. True and accurate business records are important everywhere, to be sure. They are all the more important in Manhattan, the financial center of the world.
That is why we have a history in the Manhattan DA's office of vigorously enforcing white-collar crime. My office, including the talented prosecutors you saw at arraignment earlier today, has charged hundreds of felony falsifying business records. This charge, it can be said, is the bread and butter of our white-collar work. And fraud presents itself in all different forms here in Manhattan. We have charged falsifying business records for those who violated federal bank secrecy laws. We have charged falsifying business records for those who were seeking to cover up sex crimes. And we have brought this charge for those who committed tax violations. At its core, this case today is one with allegations like so many of our white collar cases. Allegations that someone lied again and again to protect their interests and evade the laws to which we are all held accountable. As this office has done time and time again, we today uphold our solemn responsibility to ensure that everyone stands equal before the law. No amount of money and no amount of power changes that enduring American principle. I'll now take questions. All right, let's uh, break from this uh, if we can. Uh, absolute, total nonsense and drivel. This from a guy who lets hardened criminals out on no cash bail, releases them, and allows them to reoffend on violent felonies. There's been a recent list compiled by the Daily Mail going through the terrifying rap sheets of some of the worst New York City criminals who day in and day out get released back on the streets. Don't even get me started about this. Nothing about this is normal. Nothing about this is holding to account wrongdoers. This DA has no interest whatsoever in prosecuting wrongdoing. He is a political hack. He's a trash human being. And he is opening up a Pandora's box that will come back not just on his fellow Democrats and, frankly, himself, but is going to make this country a worse-off place. So I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. By the way, I, I looked at the indictment. I've gone through it now. You got to understand something about this. The, the falsifying business records law, this is New York Penal Law 17510. It reads basically a person's guilty of falsifying business records in the first degree if he commits a crime of falsifying business records in the second degree. And when the intent, that's the key word, intent to defraud includes an, an intent to commit another crime to aid or conceal the commission thereof. So, as suspected, the reason they're elevating this misdemeanor, which would be a second-degree deal here, they're elevating to a first-degree felony, class E felony, right? It's the lowest-level felony there is. But anyway, uh, what they're doing is they're relying on the fact that this falsified record which was money that was in Donald Trump's revocable trust. I'm reading it here. It's his own damn money. From an equity perspective, from just a a, a reasonable thing, I mean, 
how many people use money given to them by donors. This was money out of his pocket. The campaign didn't pay for this. This is money he wrote. He wired it from, wrote a check from his account. Uh, it's important. That is an important distinction. The underlying crime here is an FEC violation. Guess what the problem is with this? Because you heard what Bragg said. He said, well, you know, but Mr. Cohen, Mr. Cohen, you, but Mr. Cohen, the good guy, Mr. Cohen, lying sack of crap. Michael Cohen claiming now after signing statements to the contrary. So it, um, you know, it is. So I, I, I'll i tell you, we got to take a quick break here. I, I want to get to this because Michael Cohen's the key to this. And Michael Cohen signed a statement that said there was no FEC violation. And the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, declined to prosecute this or find any fault or fine Trump or the campaign on this. So the, the, the DA here is making up a violation that the FEC, the governing body on whether or not these things move forward, decided already not to look at. This is, this is how abusive and crazy this is. All right, friends, quick break here. Don't go anywhere. I've got more on this. This is all developing today, live, local, right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Marjofsky, The What's Right Show, back in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Sam Rajofsky on News Talk 840 KXNT, the What's Right show dead ahead going through the events of today. Donald Trump arraigned on what was it, 34 counts of falsifying business records, normally a misdemeanor, but wait, but wait. Law and order, I'm putting that in air quotes, law and order Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, bought and paid for by George Soros, pandering Democratic crony, decides to come along and attach to it a campaign finance violation. And this campaign finance violation is one that was already passed on by the feds. So the, I mean, you can imagine here how not, how not there that violation is if the Washington, if the Washington-based FEC decided not to charge any of this. Those of you listening, of course, that are a little more skeptical and don't like Donaldus Maximus are saying, but wait, Sam, wait, the guy who arranged all this funny business, Michael Cohen, he came out and he, he pled guilty to campaign finance law violations. That's the crime. I said, okay, he can plead guilty to the crime. It doesn't mean that Trump played a part in it. More importantly, it doesn't mean that Trump's part in it can be proven. Michael Cohen was facing decades in jail for major, major uh, tax fraud that was not related to his conduct with Trump at all, just related to the fact that he's a scumbag who doesn't pay his taxes. This guy's a, this guy's a creep and a lowlife, 
And Trump has very poor judgment, if I can say this, of keeping this guy in his orbit. Nonetheless, he gets caught with his hand in the tax cookie jar, gets read the riot act, and does what every sad sack, wimp, spineless cretin does as he turns on everybody to save his own skin. We lawyers, uh, you know, I don't do a lot of criminal work and, and it's not my, my milieu, but I know a lot of people that, uh, that basically say, um, well, 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 Sam, uh, you know, if somebody pleads guilty to something, it's, 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 a, it's clear. And I go, no, it's not how it works. And by the way, those of us in the know, lawyers will tell you, a lot of times a guy who pleads guilty with his back up to the wall facing decades in prison is not that reliable of a witness. And a lot of prosecutors don't want to bring that person in to testify as to their misdeeds that they, that they, that they allocated to, that they pled guilty to, because they don't want that person, they don't think that that person's reliable. They think that person can, can be easily, uh, well, disqualified by a good defense attorney who says, well, listen, why did you say all this? Well, you said one thing here, and now you're saying another thing there. Is it because you didn't want to go to jail? Yeah. All right. Getting wound up. You do not want to miss any moment of today's show. I'll be back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Today I tweeted out on the What's Right Sam Twitter that... Uh, I think some of the worst driving in Las Vegas is perpetrated by people with Utah license plates. And some of you responded, of course, that you think this is not true, that it's California drivers. Um, I beg to differ. Uh, there's, this is not a formal study. I did not – this is not uh, you know, some kind of a, a blind test, blind sampling – just my own personal observation. Of course, I'll stand up for you Utah drivers out there. The worst driving in Utah uh, is by people with Idaho plates. And these are facts that I stand by. All right. Welcome back. The What's Right show is continuing. Trump indictment today. Trump on his way back to Florida. Uh, we will cover here around 515 his uh, remarks that he will give at Mar-a-Lago tonight. Uh, that will air during Mark Levin's program. Uh, and uh, obviously, I will hear them unpackage everything you need to know about that uh, during the show uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock. In the meantime, I just want to understand, I, I went again, I was reading through this indictment, 34 counts. It is 34 of the exact same thing copied and pasted over again, over and over in the same document, totaling, what is it, including signatures on 16 pages. So it's, I mean, for every payment related to this, uh, cut and pasted. Now, I want to remind you, there are, well, <laughs> how about a pop quiz? How about those of you who think Trump, you know, well, it's, 
say I'm okay, you know, I don't kind of don't like this, but he broke the law, he broke the law, they shouldn't be doing this. You remember John Edwards, pretty boy Edwards, that flimsy excuse of a politician. <laughs> remember when he got caught basically with his pants down, Rael Hunter, his butterface girlfriend uh, out in L.A.? Uh, apparently, he'd been conducting an illicit affair behind the back of his ailing wife who ended up dying of cancer. Uh-huh, that guy had a love child with Ryle Hunter. Well, you remember when the feds decided to charge him? He went on trial. I don't want a little bit of history here. He used about a million dollars. You heard me right. About a million dollars of money given him by donors. These were campaign finance contributions. <sighs> well, 130 grand out of Trump's pocket out of his own personal trust, family trust. Okay. All right. Okay. He did it. You heard Alvin Bragg saying, oh my goodness, this was, this was done. This was illicit money, hush money. You can pay people hush money. You can do it. You can write anybody a check and say, please be quiet. Here's a non-disclosure agreement. I'm going to pay you money. In fact, by the way, fun lawyer fact, if you really must know, in order to make a hush money contract, an NDA, valid and enforceable, there has to be compensation. You have to have compensation in there. That's, that's how you bind the agreement. So you literally cannot even have a hush money agreement stand up in court unless you put money in it. I'm just saying, it's a side, side note, you know, Alvin Bragg went to Harvard, my butt. I, you know, anyway, so you can do that. But anyway, back to, back to Edwards. So he, you know, million dollars, the Justice Department tried him once and then let, let the case go. So here's a fun little pop quiz. Who do you think? Who do you think? This is all the way back in... Uh, 2011, hours after an indictment came down, this is Chris Matthews, MSNBC talking. Who do you think he's referring to? This looks like one of those things you read about in third world countries or in India or somewhere, or Pakistan, where they get somebody who's been out of office a couple of years, get them while they're dead, hit them with some incredible charge with campaign funding that nobody's ever heard of before, and put them away for a while. It just looks like revenge against the party, against somebody who lost an election. <laughs> well, he's not talking about Trump. Because it's back in 2011, he's talking about Edwards. Here's another flashback from all this. Again, I'm just playing this because this was legitimate. Edwards literally took campaign money and used it to pay his girlfriend a lavish lifestyle and keep her quiet and, and keep his baby taken care of and put her up in a house. This wasn't an NDA even. But still, it wasn't his money. It was campaign money. Do you think there's politics in this prosecute? Was it just a Republican U.S. attorney going after this guy, sticking around to do the dirty work for the R's? This looks like one of those things you read about in third world countries or in India or somewhere, or Pakistan, where they get somebody who's been out of office a couple of years, get them while they're dead, hit them with some incredible charge with campaign funding that nobody's ever heard of before, and put them away for a while. It just looks like revenge against the party, against somebody who lost an election. And they ended up dropping the case. All right. I'm just telling you, this is bad. And the what, there are a few Democrats out there that are smart enough and sincere enough uh, to see what's coming. Bill Maher is one of them. 
Uh, this is him on Friday uh, talking as somebody who does actually want Trump in jail. This is how he feels about the situation regarding this indictment. And listen to this, because he's spot on. I always ask my, myself the question, what is actually better for the future of the country and my future? <laughs> because I don't want to live in a country where we are one of these places where whoever is president, as soon as they get out of office, they go after them. And I guarantee... Yeah, I don't know. It's a, ter- it's, well, it's, it's a, it's a very, it's almost Greek tragedy, like because you set off this cycle of revenge, like the House of Atreus. And I guarantee you, when 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 Biden is out of office, day two, they will try to arrest him. Here's the playbook, because he's not wrong. Here's the playbook. They have laid it out. They are out for blood, meaning the Democrats. They will stop at nothing. They'll even press forward on totally bogus, ridiculous charges. And, and I, this morning on Alan's stock, Alan asked me to maybe give a little opinion on where I see this thing going. And I, I, I mean, I could see him getting convicted, Trump getting convicted in the trial court, in Superior Court, which is trial court in, in New York, getting convicted on, on these charges. And Alan asked me, do I think that the judge will treat him fairly? Um, No. Absolutely not. But I don't see these charges surviving on appeal. That's a, that's a non-starter. It's laughable. In any circumstance, this is laughable. It would not be charged. Donald Trump is being charged because he's Donald Trump. And so the precedent set here is, guess what? Where before we were judicious about the cases we brought forward against political candidates, particularly ex-presidents. You'll remember that one of the most controversial acts following Nixon's departure from the White House when he left left and and Ford came in and and Ford pardoned, gave a blanket pardon to, to Nixon. He said, the country needs to heal. We need to move on. And this is who we are as Americans, and it is not who we will be. And I, for some time here, have advocated for a measured tone and approach once we get to power to resist the urge for retribution. And I don't feel that way today. I no longer think that these people can be dealt with by us as Republicans turning the other cheek. No, enough is enough. They want to play? We can play. Now, I read somewhere uh, a little bit earlier today that the if they could mend if they could mend their ways, the best position for a guy like DeSantis with his well, Ron DeSantis is a very organized guy. He's a lawyer. He's governor of Florida, yes, but he understands law. He understands the weaponization of the law. He's aggressive. Imagine, I'm just throwing this out there. Imagine Ron DeSantis as attorney general in the second Trump administration. You want a nightmare scenario for the Democratic Party? You want a nightmare scenario from for Hillary Rodham Clinton for Hunter Biden, for Joe Biden, for Jim Biden, and this entire cabal of criminals that only get away with what they, what they do and have done by virtue of having friends in high places, of stacking every agency and every prosecutor's office with their compatriots, 
sycophants and enablers. I'm going to tell you something. Imagine what a Republican DOJ led by competent people would look like and what kind of <laughs> what kind of justice they're calling this justice. What kind of justice we could meet out? I'm telling you, this would be the event of a century. We would just start stacking up convictions. They would have to build a new supermax prison somewhere in some godforsaken part of this country just to house all of these crooks. That is what we're going to do. They've started this, and we're going to end it. Because enough is enough. All right, got to take a quick break here. You're listening to the What's Right show more clips and reactions to this, including some polling. It's interesting. What does the country think? These polls are all occurring, of course, before today. I think these numbers are going to be in flux. And of course, what effect does this have on the race? All of this I will address when we return. Do not go anywhere. Do not turn the dial. You're listening to News Talk 840 KXNT. And this is the What's Right show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Friends, I simply do not see a path forward where Trump does not seize on the Republican nomination. I just don't. At all. It's uh, inconceivable at this point. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, I know it's there's an eternity ahead between now and some of the first primaries, which will occur, as you know, typically with the first week, first days of February 2024. So we're talking about, let me do some quick maps, April now. Is that roughly 10 months? That's a long time. In politics, it's a very long time. I get all of that. I'm just saying that this this case is going to draw out uh, and you know, won't necessarily – I mean it's not – it's going to take months and months. It's going to drag on regardless of outcome. And every one of these news stories, a day like this, really, really, really is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. And let me give you – an example that I'm not seeing anybody anywhere talk about. And it's, it was my prediction to you all last week. You can call me Nostrasamus. There we go. I predicted it. Last week, I told you that when it came to all of this unfold, the event itself of Trump leaving Florida and getting in his plane and and taking off and landing in New York and going to Trump Tower and then leaving Trump Tower and going in to be, be, you know, hauled off in front of the judge for his arraignment. The whole thing would be a televised spectacle. I told you it would be akin to the coverage he was given after the unbelievable, inconceivable thing happened where he you know, won the presidency in 16 and gets on his plane leaving New York to go down to D.C. to meet with Obama for the first time as president-elect. Now, what's my point in all of this? How is this relevant? What am I blabbing about? Well, let me tell you. 
My concern would be for Trump politically if no one cared. But Sam, it's because he's a former president. You know, it's newsworthy. It's unprecedented. No, wrongo. That is not how the world works. The media covers stuff based on interest and, and, and honestly, in ratings. Fact of the matter is, love him or hate him, Trump is ratings uh, is a ratings machine. There is profound interest in him. So people are looking at this. One of the reasons it's so expensive for a, I don't know, a Jeb Bush to run a, uh, for president, to execute on a campaign, is nobody in their right mind willingly wants to watch Jeb Bush. That's like a punishment, you know? It's like, uh, I hate you, so I'm going to strap you to a chair and make you watch 10 minutes of Jeb talking about political subjects. The haters and the lovers, the fans, everybody, they cannot stop watching Trump. He is wildly entertaining, and they wanted to see this. And he put on a show today. It's a very important takeaway here. He gave a show, and he looked powerful. He walked in that courtroom, and I'm telling you, he looked more powerful and more important than the judge. Again, nobody is talking about this. He looked like the king walking in. Now, I can explain, I can put on my lawyer hat here and, and, and explain all of this, and all of you are, are smart and follow all of this, and you know we are the informed voting public. But the less informed voters out there, the people that just watch and consume occasionally, dabble in, if you will, the drive-by media, what do they per- look at? What do they perceive and, and, and think about? Not much. But they are into images. They are going to see on their, you know, quickly uh, just grab on TV tonight. They're going to see that image of Trump walking into court. And they're going to have a visceral memory of that. And it's going to be powerful. Now, put what I am saying down in, in your memories, friends. Put it, you know, ingrain what I am telling you right now. And, and, and bring it out months later when, when, it, when all of this, what I'm saying, is, is actually going to start to become evident. Because what Bragg unwittingly did, and I mean unwittingly, this is not, I've gone back and forth on this. The more I look at this, the more I, I get myself, I have rolled my sleeves up and dug deep into all of this. I'm realizing that this is not part some 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 you know three dimensional checkers or chess scheme to okay we're going to get Trump in because he's the only person that can that can lose to Biden and this is how we're going to do it machinations we're going to pump him up here and then deflate him later no these people are deranged anti-Trumpists Bragg ran on a campaign of getting Trump. And when you set aside the absurdity, right, and actually the, uh, the lack of ethics of a chief law enforcement officer for a jurisdiction to run on a campaign of getting at all costs a target of a 
yet unfounded criminal prosecution. It's all exactly going according to their plan. Their plan is to they, – they think they're going to get a conviction and they're going to get a scalp. It's going to be that poofy little orange thing that, uh, that they love to make fun of. Now, what does the public think of this? The public is still lost on this. These polls do not matter. 56% NPR PBS NewsHour Marist national poll, which was conducted a week and a half ago to the 10 days ago, yeah, 56% uh, think investigations are fair. 41% think it's a witch hunt. Predictably, 87% of Democrats think it's fair. 78% of Dems say Trump broke the law. 80% of Republicans say it's a witch hunt. 10% of Repubs say Trump broke the law. 61% of Americans don't want Trump to re- be reelected. Again, I'm telling you, I think these numbers... I think these numbers are going to change because right now it's been totally one-sided. It's been a closed proceeding. It's been in front of a grand jury. The little bits and pieces we know from people that are sympathetic to Trump is that the the guy, the DA, was presenting a totally one-sided argument about all this. And that's that's fine. I mean, that's you can do that as a prosecutor. But yeah, you know, I'm telling and, and and the big news, of course, is that this this indictment was leaked. You saw this. Of course, the DA is not going to investigate who leaked this indictment, this grand jury proceeding. It is a felony under New York law. They don't care about that. Uh-uh. Not gonna do it. So there it is. All right, friends, I gotta take a quick break. I'm gonna get to the Marjorie Taylor Green interview on 60 Minutes too, and Oh my gosh, you you a beer drinker? Do you do you like Bud Light? You heard about their no new uh, spokes thing? I don't want to tune into this. Cover this all next hour. The What's Right Show continues in a moment. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a sec. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Second hour here on News Talk 840 KXNT. We are always here now, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., uh, programming note, Mark Levin will carry on his program around 5.15 Trump's full remarks from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, President Trump expected to speak uh, on the indictment, and I will, of course, unpackage all of that for you tomorrow. Uh, here on the program, we'll have clips of all the most uh, important parts of that. So uh, you do not want to miss uh, that at 5.15 to carry hear it live, and then also tomorrow, me going through all of it. Now, there is a piece here, and I'm just seeing this in the Daily Mail, I profoundly disagree with. Uh, it's showing some pictures of Trump entering the courtroom, uh, looking very powerful, as I mentioned. He's wearing a, a, a kind of trademark blue suit, white shirt, red tie. And I mentioned before the break how he just, this, this is really good imagery for him because he is well coming up to <laughs> coming up to easter weekend he's being persecuted 
right? That's the that's the look of it. And and on, on a we've gone through it, right? All the elements of it, total bogus case. But nonetheless, being taken to task by a liberal left-wing Soros-backed prosecutor, and no, that is not an anti-Semitic dog whistle. I don't care what religion George Soros is. I just care that he hates America, okay? That's my problem with Soros, that he's a communist freak. (sighs) Anti-Semitic dog whistle, my rear end. Anyway... Photos of Trump entering the courtroom and Daily Mail uh, running a headline, Portraits of an Indicted President Legacy legacy Tarnishing Arrest Pictures That Trump Hoped the World Would Never See. Ah, uh, no. Trump dressed up for this, and he wants the world to see the Democrats at their worst. He's at his best. He's the victim. You know when Trump looks bad, in my view, this is just an honest assessment, he looks bad when he's the bully. He looks bad when he's the aggressor. It's not a good look for him because he's a powerful guy, and when he's punching below his, his weight, his class, he just, he just comes across as a, as a thug. But right here, you've got a law enforcement officer stretching a, a, a law that under any other circumstances would be a fine. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, we're done. Taking the word of, as a crucial, critical witness, a guy who has lied under oath and had his back up to the wall with multiple tax-related felonies that were his own doing, that did not relate in any way, shape, or form to his work for Trump. Well, it did. Technically, Trump was his client, but... With payments that he'd made even before the hush money. About $4 million worth of undeclared taxes. Yeah, that's a big deal. They're going to put you away in the Fed farm for a little while. And so with that hanging over Michael Cohen's head, he decided to do the only thing he had as remaining currency, which is sing like a little anti-Trump canary, tweeting a sweet song, that now Alvin Bragg, years later, is fashioning into a made-for-TV indictment. And Bragg thinks this is a moment that is good for him, good for the country, and good for Democrats. He could not be more mistaken. Now, if you think, Sam, the law is the law. Okay, let me just humor you. And let me say... For the purposes of this conversation, let me say, okay, there was a technical violation of law. Uh, You may not, Sam, think it's the biggest thing, but it was a technical violation of law. Let's go back to November 22, November of last year. Now, back in November, Biden gave some remarks. This was on the 9th. And this was leading up to a meeting uh, with world leaders at the summit in Bali. This was a, a crucial time, by the way. I'll remind you some context here for how this, how this all went down. Because this, uh, this right here was about two days after Trump teased that he'd make a very big announcement, meaning there was – 
this was the first time that we were hearing that Trump was going to run for re-election officially. And you and I, we had a conversation about this in the moment. And um, two days later, Biden gets up on stage and says this about Trump. It's a little difficult to hear because it's Biden and there's a weird microphone here, but please pay attention to every single word. Your predecessor who is about to launch another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that the former president will not return, or that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not oh, yeah. once again take power in the United States? <laughs> well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by, uh, if, we, uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. This, if Trump were to say something like this as sitting president about his opponent in a political race, they would indict him right then and there for election interference. Biden says, well, (laughs) we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power. If he does run again, making sure he, quote, he, under legitimate efforts of our Constitution, does not become the next president again. This is what it's all about. They are disposing of a political foe. If this were reversed, all the people crowing out there about how great this is would be up in arms. And the Daily Mail is wrong, thinking that this very powerful, this he wasn't handcuffed, he wasn't, hanging his head down in shame. He looked good. He looked strong. He looked powerful. And like I said last hour, he looked like the most important, powerful person in the room. He made the judge look small. Now, the judge, and this is important, kind of getting into who the person is that's going to be uh, overseeing this case, uh, this is, uh, it's interesting, it's an interesting deal. So I, I just, just to be clear here, understanding what's going on, this, his name is Judge Mershon, Juan Mershon. The good news is about Juan Mershon uh, is a judge. He's also a, a member of uh, like the Latino Justice Club. So we've got that going on for him. But he declined, this is important news, we kind of lost track of it today, he declined to file a gag order. The gag order was the subject of some speculation because, of course, uh, it was no mystery that Alvin Bragg, the DA, filing these charges against Trump, would seek it. He did, in fact, try to get it. And he showed some of Trump's tweets, including the one of the baseball bat next to Alvin Bragg's head, and said it was inciting violence, and the judge seemed to agree with him, but declined to give a gag order at that time, today. And the judge did say, I don't want to see any more of this. Next time I see something like this, I might have a different idea about what I should do. That's a quote. Now, I said this last week. I said that that picture of the baseball bat and Alvin Bragg's head is unnecessary. Trump has the upper hand here. He is the victim. 
gosh dang it, does do not do that kind of stuff. We're all thinking it. We're all thinking that this guy is uh, is an abusive bully, meaning meaning Alvin Bragg. So don't you know don't don't push it. Play the role. And Trump needs to continue to do that. But I uh, but I, oh, what you think about the the gag order? I'll tell you. The gag order is interesting because, of course, it would be preventing a political candidate for the presidency, a leading opponent of the sitting president, who Trump no doubt is, if you look at the polling, and saying he cannot speak about the single most important political issue of the election right now, meaning this criminal case. You can't tell me that there's another equally important political issue, there's no, no chance. So I, I, I definitely think that uh, Trump's lawyers would immediately appeal this. It would, it would, it would go to the Supreme Court because it goes, it's the sec, uh, First Amendment deal and it's, it's going to be protected under the federal constitution. So I, I could see this becoming a very uh, hotly debated issue. All right. I'm going to take a quick break here. Stanford Law, by the way, a couple of judges came out and said, uh-uh, we're not going to take any law clerks from Stanford anymore. What a shameful moment that is. You remember the protests, all that students that kicked out, basically, shouted down a federal judge because they didn't like him and his politics. He was put in office by Donald Trump. This is... I hope more of this happens. I hope more employers and more judges realize just how decrepit these so-called great colleges and universities are when really they're just breeding grounds for leftist radicals who have brains full of mush and favor activism and politics over the substantive practice of law or whatever field they're in. Uh, so this is interesting. I'll tell you a little bit about that when we return. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show. Back in a moment. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. I don't know. Are we, are we, uh, we just gone off the cliff here. Bud Light, do you see this? Have just issued a statement where they stand behind their new partnership with trans activist Dylan Mulvaney. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Mulvaney, who is a TikTok star, has 10 million followers, was invited to the White House to prance around as the face of womanhood. Honestly, by the way, this uh, I for the longest time thought that Dylan was that this was all a joke. It was so theatrical and over-the-top and stupid, frankly, that I, I, I thought that this was a long con being played on all, all the unwitting leftists out there who are going, oh my gosh, she's so brave. <laughs> she's, she's, her, she's being her authentic self. If you haven't seen Dylan Mulvaney's videos, you're not missing much. Uh, it's a guy who's dressed as a very... Um, young-looking young lady, okay? That's what we're looking at here. It's almost, well, it's all, I mean, it's almost gross. 
because it's, anyway, it's these videos are terrible. And Bud Light decided to pay money, Anheuser-Busch, you know, the company that makes Bud Light, to pay money to Mulvaney to post a video advertising uh, March Madness and Beer's Company's contest with prizes, including a chance to win $15,000. Now, I will tell you, I think this is such a horrifyingly bad decision on the part of Anheuser-Busch. What happens is, I, I can explain it, right? For all of you going, well, I don't get it, right? This is beer. This is Bud Light. It's like, you know, American guys like hanging around. What do they want to see? A transvestite, uh, confused person uh, prancing around pretending to be a little girl, uh, let alone somebody who's become so politically engaged and has been at the White House, which I think is one of the larger parts of the problem here. Why are they doing this? I can explain this to you because I know a little bit about advertising. These big companies hire even bigger marketing groups. These people that are in these marketing agencies, these creative types, the, the numbers people, the, the wonks, right? And some of these people are very, very bright. But here's what's very important about them. These are not middle-of-the-country beer-drinking Americans. These are people who live in San Francisco and live in New York. They are... They're deranged. I mean, they are completely out of touch with the people that they're advertising to. And for the most part, they come up with clever stuff that the middle of the country buys. I don't think the middle of the country is going to buy this. Because I think the, tr the whole uh, support the trans movement, it's gone so far. And because Dylan, my problem with Dylan Mulvaney is not that he's confused about who he is. My problem with Dylan Mulvaney is that his YouTube TikTok account is confusing kids and leading kids to explore their own, uh, well, forays in, a, in a mental health issues. And I don't like that. I want, every, I want these people to leave our kids alone, frankly. And I detest Biden and the Democrats for elevating this, this guy and, 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 and giving him a platform beyond what he's already created for himself. So this is, this is, a, this is not going to go anywhere. Now, by the way, it ties into something, well, an interesting moment in the interview. Sunday, 60 Minutes, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, gets interviewed by Leslie Stahl and gets called out on some of the controversial things that she says. And one of the things that she said is she's called Democrats pedophiles. <laughs> well, so she holds her ground on this. That was the best part. Here's the exchange. And things she says that are over the top, like... The Democrats are a party of pedophiles. I would definitely say so. They support grooming children. They are not pedophiles. Why would you say that? Democrats, Democrats support, even Joe Biden, the president himself, supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. Joe Biden... According to his own daughter's verified diary, showered with her alone up until her being in, these are her words, an uncomfortable age. I, look, that's gross. I don't know you dads out there if you, you think that that's normal. Um, I don't shower with my daughters, okay? 
Uh, and I don't think you do either. Not calling St. Joe Biden. This is just like if, if Trump, if literally there was a diary released and discovered, purported to be Ivanka Trump's diary about her dad showering with her into her teens, would that be a news story? Yes. Yeah, it would. But she's right. Mar- I can't believe it because I don't, a lot of stuff she says is a little out there, but Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, that, yeah, well, you, you literally advocate the sexualization of kids. These are people who are advocating for graphic books being in elementary school libraries, instructing kids how to give oral sex to each other. This, this is stuff I didn't grow up with in, in, in my school library. Did you? Grooming is the process, the act of desensitizing kids to sexual topics by introducing them in conversation and other material. That's what grooming is. We all know grooming. We understand it. We, we watch to catch a predator. You know, they got the guy there and, oh, what do you have in your bag? Oh, I, oh, you know, just I, some condoms. Well, who are you here to see? Oh, no one. No one. If every one of these TikTok stars say, listen, kids, listen, kids, don't talk to your parents. I'm going to be your parent. I'm going to talk to you. And these people have the full support of mainstream of the Democratic Party today. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Pretty close to pedophilia or on the nose. Now, there's another part of the interview I I rather like that was more substantive as to policy in the the Republican Party that Marjorie Taylor Greene told Leslie Stahl, that 60 Minutes piece. And I want to touch base, too, on the the judges that are refusing to take Stanford grads. There's some – I'm a lawyer. I went to law school. I I also, of course, hire lawyers coming out of law school, and I – I will tell you, years ago, I began noticing a difference between the types of lawyers that were coming out, young lawyers that were coming out of some of these quote-unquote fancy schools versus tier two schools. So I have some thoughts on that you might find interesting. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in a moment. The What's Right Show here with Sam Marjofsky on News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Well, yeah, of course, the Chinese spy balloon had intelligence gathering capability and was spying on us. How is that a news story? Oh, and NBC now reporting it always. Day late and a dollar short, these mainstream media types are. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. A Stanford Law update. I want to get to this here before I get too distracted with everything else going on. Judge James Ho and Judge Elizabeth Branch from the 5th and 11th Circuit Courts, respectively, said they'll no longer accept law clerks from Stanford Law. Now, I'll tell you why this is significant, because what are law clerks? This is a rite of passage for any lawyer coming out of an Ivy League school to get a prestigious job working inside a courtroom for a appellate judge, for a 
I mean, the most coveted, of course, is working for a Supreme Court justice. But other federal judgeships, these these positions go only to the best of the best and typically to people from Ivy League schools. So that they're saying enough, we're not taking any students is significant. And um, I think, by the way, I I think there are far better, more qualified uh, candidates coming from tier two schools. I think that the Ivy League schools have become so political and have placed politics above education, above qualification, are doing away with standards. That these great institutions that were built up over time by achievers, by great uh, industrialists, great donors, great oftentimes evil white men, Right? I mean, just that's where the left really gets the vapors, right? But these schools that were built up over time to become what they are are now have been taken over. It's like, yeah, it's like zombie organizations that have been taken over by these parasitic leftist radicals. It didn't happen overnight, by the way. It's been going on for years. But now that parasite is coming into full bloom. And it's destroying these institutions from within. So I think that this is this is just the tip of the iceberg. Over time, these institutions will simply lose their prestige. Yeah, you can go to Stanford, and yeah, somewhere, someplace that says, oh, it's number one, it's number two, whatever. Fat lot of good that does you if you don't get a real job coming out of law school. Because eventually, eventually, even big law firms who are all about diversity, equity, and inclusion right now are going to realize, no, we're losing clients because we have a bunch of nincompoop dimwits in important positions. We don't have people in our organization who can make it up the partner track chain. You know how these big firms exist? Quick aside, you want me to explain this to you? Okay. What happens is, is you've got big lawyers at the top, and they're making millions of dollars a year, okay? And these lawyers eventually want to do something. I'll give you a hint. It starts with an R. Yes, they want to retire. And the way that they retire is, most cases, there are younger partners that used to be entry-level associates to take over for them. And then these people get a buyout of their equity interest in the company, in the, in the law firm, that's paid out in a lump sum or over time, but that's their retirement. And the retirement doesn't happen if there aren't people. It's like rows of teeth on a shark. It's a good metaphor, right? These are lawyers. Rows of teeth. There always have to be new teeth behind the, the, the larger teeth that are eventually going to fall off. If you don't have that, you've got a toothless shark. The thing can't do anything. And that's what's going to happen to these great law firms that have put all these people that have come from Stanford Law are more into protesting than actually being great lawyers. And suddenly, you're going to have these guys who are retiring at 65, 67, 70, and going, look, I want to enjoy the last remaining 10 years of my life, and realizing that the firm is, is falling apart. Because this incoming generation or two of lawyers are, are not serious enough to get the job done. It, there's going to be a real reckoning. And I see this as a lawyer. I see this as an attorney who hires uh, young lawyers. I wouldn't hire somebody. For, I, one time I hired a lawyer from, from UC Irvine, which then was ranked, I think, uh, like 17, top 20 law school. 
made the fatal mistake of hiring this lawyer. This lawyer was totally incompetent. He could not do basic legal work. He left, I kid you not, he left my firm and went to work for uh, some Cesar Chavez group, like the farm workers. Yeah, he's now a lawyer for the farm workers. Total moron. Now, why, 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 what was he doing in law school? Oh, and I'm going to get this now because I'm going to be called a racist for this. I'll tell you why he was in law school. Because he was Chicano. That's why they had him. Oh, he was first generation, never. Nobody, he, you know, he, this guy could not grasp basic concepts. I, I know this stuff. People are afraid to say these things because it's, because it'll invite the criticism, the very easy and shallow criticism that what I'm saying here, what's being said is racist. It's not racist. It's the gosh dang truth. And it's high time we begin to say it. Has anybody read the book, the story, knows the parable, if you will, of the emperor's new clothes? It's time we begin calling it what it is. Oh my goodness, there is someone who is not in that position by virtue of their talent and their ability. That person is where they are because of the color of their skin. That's the truth. Look at that person over there. Speaking of Dylan Mulvaney, there's a confused person with some mental problems. We should feel some degree of sympathy, but sympathy, friends, is different from acceptance. Sympathy is not acceptance. And how we are in the acceptance category of these mental problems and promoting it to our youth that is cultural suicide. And it's high time we call it that. So I, you know, this is all to me very common sense stuff. And I, you know, I, I'll get the email. You can email me, sam at salmonashlaw.com, sam at salmonashlaw.com. And, uh, you know, if you disagree, you disagree. Now, speaking of perhaps someone who garners some level of disagreement. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Sunday, 60 Minutes, sat down with Leslie Stahl. Leslie Stahl, by the way, got a lot of pushback for this, but there's something that Greene said, Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said, about Republicans in Congress. She gets asked why she ran. Why are you even doing this? Why are you a congresswoman? What's this all about? Um, Leslie Stahl asks, and here is what she says. I, I think this is uh, so, so spot on. What made me run for Congress when I saw the Republicans in Congress, the House and the Senate, completely fail to deliver the agenda that we had all voted for, the reasons why we voted for Donald Trump. It was the, the Republicans. Yep. Not Joe Biden, not Nancy Pelosi, but the traditional Republicans who, she says, failed to rein in federal spending, repeal Obamacare, or fund President Trump's border wall when Republicans controlled both chambers of Congress. They failed us. Like who? Uh, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, those, yeah, those types of, Mitt Romney. I'm not even sure why he calls himself a Republican. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I agree with everything she's saying here. Remember, and before, again, I, I will tell you, this to me is one of the most 
one of the greatest mitigating factors when I look at Donald Trump's four years in office and thinking of the ways it could have been better. You got to cut the guy some slack that the Republicans themselves were working against him and refused to pass the Make America Great agenda because why? Donald Trump was a threat to them. So this battle, and I'm going to close the show today kind of summing all this up and getting to where this goes next. This battle of what is going on with Trump, this case against Trump, this BS, BS criminal proceeding against him in Manhattan, in New York City. Remember, this is not just a Democrat versus Trump deal. This is a establishment fight against Trump. And it started by these absolute backstabbing, disgusting, horrible institutional establishment Republicans. Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Lindsey Graham, Romney, all these people. They did not move an inch, budge an inch on Trump agenda because why? They disregarded our votes. It was an existential threat to them. Their idea of the Republican Party is very different from what it is. The party is not Mitch McConnell. The party is you and me. We're the party. The movement is with us. And that's the most important thing that cannot get through these country club types' heads. I, 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 socially, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say this before we go to the break. Socially speaking, I'd rather hang out with the few intelligent, reasonable, common sense Democrats that I know. They're more interesting. Uh, they know where I'm coming from. I know where they're coming from. We can disagree and and agree to disagree. The worst, most insufferable people I have ever spent time with in political circles are the country club Republicans who have disdain for us. They think of themselves as the experts. They look down on us. They think we're scum. But every two years, every four years, and every six for the Senate, they come around and pretend to be our buds. And then they go into D.C., go get elected, reelected, get our money. You, your mom, your grandma, your dad, they all send in their $10, $15 to this, you know, Mitch McConnell to do something about immigration. And then the minute Mitch McConnell gets in there for a, you know, umpteenth six-year term, goes back to being an open borders amnesty rhino Republican. That's how this works. It is a scam. These people are scam artists. And the reason that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Trump and everything is so distasteful to these people is that they, they, they are getting called out. You've got the little boy sitting there pointing his finger and saying, hey, guys, the emperor is not wearing any clothes. That is what's going on. Friends, I'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve lawyers that share your values. 
Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, Common Sense Conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. By the way, yesterday, I apologize. I don't do it often, but I had to do a replay traveling back from Florida. I had to get out there for a couple days. Um, what is up with people in masks? I mean, in, even in Florida, I'm in the elevator in, in my hotel, and, and there are – there's a whole family that gets and They must be New Yorkers. Whole family. They got little cloth masks on their kids. First off, the cloth mask, mask isn't doing anything. Nothing. Except stunt your child's development. It's child abuse. I just... I mean, these were... And by the way, I'm... Yes, it, it, I'm going to point this out because these were the people that berated us, Right? that would come up to us at the store. Why are you not wearing a mask? You're killing people. You're killing the elderly. These same people now are still locked in their trance of mental illness, beholden to their mask-adhering ideology and scarring their poor kids in the process. Yeah, okay, if the kid has an immuno, if he's immunocompromised, he has to have a real mask, like this little cloth thing that's a little diaper on his face. It's not doing anything. All right, all right, all right. Where do we go from here on this Trump indictment? One of the things to look at, honestly, is, uh, well, I'll tell you, is, is, is the retribution that I mentioned earlier. And Republicans are coming forward now, elected Republicans are coming forward talking about what that could look like. Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio, uh, was talking on Sunday, Morning Futures, with Maria Bartiromo. And he had this to say, and listen to him, because this kind of lays it out as to what you know he, he, he potentially could be doing. The, the key is get the facts on the table. We're dealing now with all kinds of issues where we think agencies <clears throat> have been turned against the very people, the American people they're supposed to serve. So you get mm-hmm. the facts on the table. And then you look at legislation. Our job, but we're legislators. Our job is to pass, pass legislation, write laws and pass legislation. So we'll look at that. Okay. And maybe most importantly, Maria, is we control the power of the purse. And that's we're going to have to look at the appropriations process and limit funds going to some of these agencies, particularly the ones who are engaged in the most egregious behavior. So the DOJ and the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, this is I've said this before. I mean, they're just going to cut the FBI's budget. You want to act like a political tool, a stormtroopers for the Democratic Party. OK, we're not going to fund you. You're done. Now, what does Jim Jordan think about the issue with the uh, indictment here and, and all of this and potential criminal charges against Democrats? Listen to this. And, and what I'd really like, frankly, I'd really like for the government just to stay out of the election process. Yeah. 2016, they spied on his campaign. 2018, yeah. the Mueller investigation. 2020, they suppressed the Hunter Biden story. 2022, they raided his home 91 days before an election. Wow. And now, the leading candidate for president of the United States 2024 election, they indict the former president and the top candidate yeah. who's leading in every poll. Just let we, the people, decide who we want to elect and stay out of the election process, for goodness sake. Yep. Seems pretty reasonable and seems like a position that many Democrats took when the tables were turned 
uh, John Edwards. By the way, John Edwards wasn't a leading candidate at that point. He was a, a washed-up candidate uh, whose whole campaign fell apart after it was found out that he was cheating on his dying wife with a uh, with an ugly bimbo, had a baby with her, and, um, and and then was using millions of dollars of campaign funds that were entrusted to him by donors. I have a close friend who, by the way, held a have a friend who lives in Pasadena, had a, a fundraiser for John Edwards before all this broke. I can tell you, he had some choice words back then for Edwards and his team. Edwards wouldn't even take his call. He like when this came out, he was he was he felt victimized. He felt like he had money stolen from him. He gave money to the campaign to advance a candidate that he believed represented his politics. Okay, we were not going to judge him for this, but that's what happened. Then the candidate turned around, took his money and others' money, and was paying off his not, – not even a single payment. He was funding her lifestyle, putting her up in an expensive rental property, etc. Crazy stuff. Now here's James Comer talking about making Bragg testify to Congress. This is also on Fox News Morning's Maria Bartiromo. Uh, that's, this was yesterday, and um, I, you know, I think this could bring some heat. I think most people in America are sick and tired of the government getting involved in our election process. We want free and fair elections. I don't think anyone believes that Donald Trump would be in Manhattan District Court right now uh, were he not a candidate for president of the United States. So we have a lot of questions for the Manhattan District Attorney. Uh, he doesn't have the luxury whether or not to determine uh, whether he can uh, show up for uh, congressional inquiry. I think we're going to use whatever means necessary. There you go. Whatever means necessary. This is the Pandora's box I'm talking about. This is going to have a, a, an effect, a tumble-down, trickle-down effect. And it's I, – I have a – I'm going to make a prediction here, a What's Right show, Sam prediction. My prediction is this ultimately ends up with a um, either ethical or criminal charges filed against Bragg. I think, I suspect that somewhere along this process, Bragg likely, at the very least, circumvented ethical rules. And what will happen is, if there is any place where Bragg, for example, in his presentation of evidence to the grand jury failed in ethical duties. I, you know, could there be a future prosecutor in Manhattan that brings those charges? Probably not, but could be. If it's egregious enough, absolutely. And I think also given that he's pissed off a number of, of Democrats who have who wanted to see other investigations of Trump take precedence or looking at him as a grandstander, I, I could see some of them turning on him. So I, I give that – all right, I'm going to rewrite. I give it a 50-50 chance, which is pretty high. All right, tomorrow we'll get into the uh, – I'll be watching this uh, and, and listening to the Trump statement uh, at 5.15. We'll be carrying it live here on News Talk 840 KXNT. I will take you through it, of course, tomorrow. I'll be here live and local as always. Friends, keep the faith. We got this. But in order to save our republic, in order to save this country, we have to take a stand. And this is not a time for weak men and women. We've got to be brave. 
and brave we shall be. Sam Rajofsky, The Was Right Show, back tomorrow. Stay strong, folks. <laughs>